Well, have you ever played the game Six Degrees of Separation? Uh, it's, based on, it's a game based on the theory that everyone in the whole world is connected by six or less degrees. Uh, so how it works is you get a maximum of six steps to get from you to any person in the world uh, using phrases like, my mum once met or a friend of a friend knows. For example, how do you get from me to movie star Johnny Depp? Well, it's simple. Because my sister goes to an acting school and she once had a drink with Jeffrey Rush and Jeffrey Rush was in Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp. There you go. How about getting from me to Michael Clark, the captain of the Australian cricket team? Well, my brother is a sports reporter in Sydney and he did an interview with a player called Nathan Lyon and Nathan Lyon plays cricket on the Australian cricket team with Michael Clark. It's easy, you can do it. I'll give you one more. How do you get from me to the Queen of England? Well, you probably know that I love the TV show Doctor Who. And I once met the actors Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, who starred in Doctor Who. Now, both of them recently got invited to Buckingham Palace to celebrate Doctor's fifth, Doctor Who's 50th anniversary, and they met the Queen. There you go. It's easy. You can do it too. And the good news is, now, because you know me, you're only a few steps away from Johnny Depp, Michael Clark, and the Queen. This morning, uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 and think about what it would mean to be connected to someone even more famous. Uh, how about being connected to the most important person in all of history? Well, as we look at Matthew 1, we're going to see the family line of Jesus. It's a whole list of people who were connected to Jesus, not just as friends, but by blood. This is Jesus' family. But what kind of family is it? And what's it got to do with us? Well, some of the members of his family are famous for the good things that they did, and others are famous for the bad things that they did. But all of the names in this family line lead down through history to the single most important person of all time, Jesus and right from the beginning, Matthew points out the big names that Jesus is connected to. Have a look at verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is in the line of Abraham and David. And we're going to spend a bit of time thinking about what makes those two men famous. But in order to be connected to Abraham and David... There's other links, other steps in between. So who are all these other people that are included? And what do we know about them? Well, there's at least two things that these people share in common. First, they're all part of the family line leading to Jesus. And second, they're all sinners, except for Jesus. As you look closer into the lives of these people, you can't help but notice that it was a sinful family. For starters, Matthew chose to include a few women in his genealogy, which wasn't normal for a genealogy. But you'd think if you're going to only pick a few out, you'd pick the good ones, right? 
Well, Matthew, he appears to do the opposite. Uh, For example, there's Rahab and Ruth in verse 4, both of whom were foreigners to begin with and not the popular kind. Uh, Rahab was a prostitute from Jericho and Ruth was from Moab, uh, a country that was the enemy to the Jews. And then in verse 6, there's Uriah's wife. Uh, So bad that he couldn't even write her name. Uh, You know, it's like in Harry Potter where they call Voldemort he who shall not be named, uh, because just the sound of his name makes people shudder. Uh, Well, Matthew might have well have said, she who shall not be named. You know, the sin that Uriah's wife and David committed was so bad to even have to remember. Uh, He's, of course, speaking of Bathsheba, who committed adultery with God's anointed King David. But it wasn't just the women. Uh, All of the men in this list list disobeyed God at some point. Uh, Some of the kings like Rehoboam and Manasseh caused all sorts of trouble and were guilty of rebelling against the Lord. This whole genealogy is a mixed bag of people who did all sorts of evil things. So why would Matthew want us to know that Jesus was descended of these people? Who could be proud of this kind of family history? Well, by putting this in, Matthew shows us two things. First, that God was willing to use foreigners and broken, sinful people to bring about his plans for the world. The fact that he would even include these kind of people in this momentous family line is an incredible show of grace and humility. Secondly, it shows us that it was precisely these kind of people, the sinners and the strangers, that Jesus came to save. You only have to get down to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where the angel is speaking to Joseph and says, Mary will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You see, this is a sinful family, representing the state of every family on the planet. But Jesus comes as the one who will forgive and welcome sinners into his own family. And that's something that Jesus is still doing now. Because Jesus grew up as the only man without sin, and then he died on the cross, was buried, and was raised to life on the third day. And by doing that, he made it possible for us to be welcomed into his family. No matter who we are, no matter where we're from, no matter what we've done, we can be forgiven and made right with God again. Forget six degrees, we can have our very own relationship with the God of the universe. You can call him Father just by putting your trust in Jesus. And friends, we can do that today. Matthew, he wants us to know that. That's why he starts with a genealogy. This is definitely a a sinful family. But it's also a famous family. Have you ever looked into your family's history? Uh, uh, Any of you ancestors of someone famous? Uh, I had a bit of a look into my family tree. And uh, the most famous person that I could find was my great-great-grandfather, Miles Wrigley Leach, and his son, Frederick. Uh, 
they were well known for their watercolour and pastel paintings. Uh, Miles even had one of his works put in the National Gallery. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't pass any of their artistic skills onto me. But just one look at the line of Jesus, and you can see that there are some much more important people. Uh, we notice at the start, verse 1, Matthew wants us to take particular note of two people. Have a look at verse 1 again. It says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham and David were famous. Uh, both of them were given some amazing promises from God. So to come in their line was to inherit those promises. But Jesus, he does more than inherit them. He comes to fulfill them. Let's have a look now, uh, starting with Abraham. Now, Abraham, he was the father of the nation of Israel. Uh, all the way back in the book of Genesis, God made him some significant promises. God promised him three things. Uh, one, that he would turn his descendants into a great nation. Uh, two, that he would give them their own land. And three, that, he would, that God would bless the whole world through Abraham. And from Genesis chapter 12 onwards, God goes about making those promises come true. And now there are points at which uh, these partially come true. You know, Abraham's descendants, they grow into the nation of Israel and they're led by God into the land of Canaan. But these promises only find their full, true fulfillment in Jesus. You see, God promised Abraham his descendants would be a great nation. Well, Jesus, his descendant, is making a nation, a people for himself, made up of billions of people from around the globe who put their trust in him. God promised Abraham that he would give them their own land. Well, Jesus is going to take his people to a new creation, to heaven where we can live with God forever under his rule and blessing. God promised Abraham that he would bless the whole world through him. Well, Jesus' death and resurrection makes it possible for anyone in the world to be forgiven of their sins and have a right relationship with God. What an amazing blessing. Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. Abraham, the start of this famous family. But the other famous name in the genealogy is David. And uh, he comes in at verse 6. And Jesse is the father of King David there. David, now he was not just famous for being king or infamous for adultery with she who shall not be named, but he was famous for the promise that God had given him. See, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised that a descendant of David would be established as king forever. And no doubt, Matthew's Jewish readers, they would have still been waiting for the arrival of this promised king, this Messiah. So Matthew makes it crystal clear that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah from the line of David, a royal baby from birth. Now, if I was to show you just a random picture of a baby, you probably wouldn't know who it was. Unless I told you that it was the royal baby, uh, then you'd probably guess that I'm speaking of Prince George. 
you know, the only child of Prince William, Duke of Cambridge, and Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge, uh, the third in line to succeed his great-grandmother, Queen Elizabeth II, as the British monarch. You see, from birth, baby Prince George was born into royalty. Similarly, from birth, Jesus was born into royalty as the Christ. But unlike George, Jesus came as the fulfillment of a promise going back many, many generations, as the king who would reign forever. And Matthew, he doesn't want us to miss this. Uh, He started verse 1 by pointing it out, and he ends, he bookends his passage with a similar summary. Have a look at verse 17. He says, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. See, Matthew has purposefully structured it in this way. Even the number 14 is pointing us to how Jesus is this promised king of David because the number 14 represents the name David in Hebrew. Uh, If you were to give a number to each letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the name David would equal 14. In fact, Matthew's even left off names of certain descendants to make it fit into this structure. Uh, So the phrase that our NIVs have translated as the father of is actually a a much looser term of uh, uh, the descendant of or ancestor of meaning Matthew could write this genealogy in such a way to tell us loud and clear who Jesus is. That Jesus is most definitely the one who came to fulfill all of the promises of this famous family. Matthew wants us to know that. That's why he starts with a genealogy. But with this genealogy, Matthew doesn't want us only to see the people who are in it but also the way it affects every single person who's not in it. See, this family points directly to how God worked throughout the world, throughout history. Matthew's three groups of 14, his three divisions, tell us that this is a historic family. See, through this line, through the people of Israel, God was interacting with the world. And that happened according to three main time periods. Uh, First, there was the time of Abraham and his descendants. Then there was the time of David and the kings that followed him. Third was the time of the exile, when God's people were taken off to Babylon for their disobedience. But running right through this is all of this time is this historic family leading to one important moment, building up to a new age, a point at which all of history hinges off, the new era that even our own calendars point us to, the age of Jesus Christ. The age that everything and everyone else had been pointing towards. And this is the time that we're living in today. Many people will tell you that we live in the digital age. Uh, the time where information is so easily accessed and shared. You know, they reckon 75% of the world have access to a mobile phone. Uh, that's more people have access to a mobile phone than to a toilet. 
Did you know that 250 million people log into Facebook each day? Uh, there's also you know, the books and and music is all going digital. People will say that we live in a digital age, but all of that's missing the age that we're truly in, because we're in the time of Christ. He is who life is all about, and 100 percent of people on this planet need to hear about Him. All seven billion people need Jesus in order to be saved. Now is the age of Christ. It's like a big hourglass. You know, history is the hourglass and Jesus is that center point through which all that sand flows. All of history heading towards Jesus coming and everything since impacted by what he did. Which makes this genealogy the top half of the hourglass pointing towards Jesus coming. And it's yet another reason why Matthew would start like this, to show us how Jesus is at the very centre of God's plans, the focal point from which the rest of history flows out of. Jesus is at the centre of God's plans for this world. And so he needs to be the centre of your life. I hope uh, you remember, if you were here, at the beginning of the year we did the course of your life. Uh, and while we were doing that, we thought through, uh, thought about God's plans and what it meant for Jesus to be the one who sets the agenda for your life. But here we are at the end of the year. How are you going with that? Uh, have you been living for God this year or have you gone back to living for something or someone else? What's influencing how you spend your time or your money? Uh, does your life look different from your workmates or classmates? What does your internet history or your Facebook profile say about you? How are you going at reaching out to your friends and family who don't know Jesus? Did you come here this morning so that you can encourage your brother and sister to mature in Christ? You see, this whole world is centred on Christ and so our lives need to be too. And if you're living for anything else, if then you've missed what life is all about. Uh, money, a career, popularity, status, uh, an iPhone, whatever it might be, it's not what this life is about. This life is about Christ. Friends, I hope you can see that this list of names at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel is not a boring list of names. It's much more than a family tree all of these people are here to tell us something about who Jesus is and what he came to do. By showing us this genealogy, Matthew gives us more than a family tree. He's giving us Jesus' credentials. It was a common practice for their culture. Just like for us, we have a CV or a resume. You know, we go for a job interview and in order to show your importance, we don't tell them who our parents are, we show them a kind of list of our experience and achievements. You want to get hired, you show them your resume. But Matthew says, you want to know who Jesus is? Look at his family line. Matthew shows us right from the start exactly who Jesus is. That Jesus is the one who came to save sinners like you and me. That Jesus is the Christ, the one who fulfills all God's promises. And that Jesus is at the centre of all God's plans, the centre of all of history, 
This is Jesus, according to Matthew. So don't miss out on being directly connected to the most important man of all time. Jesus is at the centre of the world. So make sure he's at the centre of your life. I want to pray that he is. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your son Jesus. Father, thanks that he came to save sinners like us, that he came to fulfill all your promises. Help us to rightly honour him by putting him at the centre of our lives, that we would live for Jesus in all we do and say. And it is in his name that we pray these things. Amen.